Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. Um, it's been a while since I've like actually put effort into an episode. It's been like three weeks, so here we go. We're actually going to do it. Um, I'm recording this on an unusual day. Uh, today is Thursday, March 18th, year of our Lord, 2021, which means that today was the release date for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I just watched it. Like, I the, the credits just finished rolling about two minutes ago. And I'm going to give you my initial impressions about this movie and what I thought about it. Just kind of, as a whole, this is something that's been in the works for like three years. And it's a very big deal. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about that. So if you're not aware of what the Snyder Cut is, uh, if you don't know what that's all about, um, well, 2018, uh, Warner Brothers released a movie called Justice League. I believe it was 2018. Let me check that before I start uh, running my mouth as if I know this. Okay. So for those of you that don't know what the Snyder Cut is all about, what all the hubbub, what all that means, um, in 2017, Warner Brothers released a movie, Justice League, which is the DC Comics version of the Avengers, essentially. It is a band of superheroes that work together to fight a big ultimate evil. And uh, that was directed by a man named Zack Snyder. Well, the, the suits at Warner Brothers Studios did not like Zack Snyder's final cut of Justice League. They, they did a lot of editing, they pretty much tore it apart, and released a version that was not what Zack Snyder had intended for the movie. And what this means, well, this becomes important because upon the movie's release... Um, let's just say that it did not get fantastic reviews. Um, people pretty much hated Justice League. They thought it was underwhelming. To say that people didn't like it is not exactly true, but there was some outrage upon the release of the movie. Um, I'm going to mention the Rotten Tomatoes scores, and I'm just going to put in my two cents on Rotten Tomatoes before I uh, kind of give you the deets on that. I don't like Rotten Tomatoes so much because I think it tends... Rotten Tomatoes is is okay. I like looking and listening to the critic score, and the audience score just basically tells me, is this an enjoyable movie? Um, there are a lot of movies that I would not call good movies or that I probably wouldn't enjoy that have really great um, audience scores. Thing like big blockbuster movies, such as Justice League 2017, um, they have a pretty split score between the audiences and the critics. Now, if you go to the Justice League page on Rotten Tomatoes, um, the critics gave it a 40%, which is rotten. That is a stinker. I mean, really a pretty poor score. Now, the audience gave it a 71%. So the audience enjoyed it as you know just a movie they had fun watching it and they they liked watching it but 
that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a great movie, because I think that's kind of the beauty of Rotten Tomatoes, is that you can look at it in two different ways. You can look at a movie objectively from a critic standpoint, like, was it a quality movie? Was was it made well? Was the story presented in a really uh, satisfactory manner? And then is it fun to watch? And so Justice League scored that it was fun to watch, but really uh, not that great. Now, the new version, the new one, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, that came out, you know, 23 hours ago. Um, now, keep in mind, it's only been out for a day, and the score is bound to go down. But the critic score is 75%, and the audience score is 97%. This is, like, a huge jump in approval as far as Justice League goes. Now, keep in mind, like I said, that score is bound to go down as more critic reviews roll in about Zack Snyder's Justice League. But this has proved that the re-releasing of the movie worked. That is by far a good thing. It proved that Zack Snyder's idea was good. But there are still some things that need to be addressed as far as this movie goes. So, first off, I just want to kind of talk through the whole idea of, is this a good idea? Like, should this movie exist? Um, I think yes, I think it should exist. Um, I just think the idea of allowing just kind of the mass public and a director to strong-arm a studio into to re-releasing a movie because they didn't like it, um, it kind of scares me in a way, just a little bit, because there are a lot of movies that get made that aren't necessarily great, and the last thing we need is them to be coming out twice. Now, this worked. Um, this really did showcase what Zack Snyder had in, in store. Um, if you just look at some of the technical details, I'm going to get into some really nerdy, weird stuff here. So bear with me. Um, Justice League 2017 uh, was released in theaters with a runtime of two hours, which is like just barely longer than average for a movie terribly sittable. Like, it's really not a problem to sit down and watch 2017's Justice League. Uh, the Snyder Cut is four hours and two minutes long. It is forever long. And you'd think to yourself, wow, they went through a lot of work to shoot extra scenes and to get everything that they wanted to get into the movie uh, to get that redone. Um, that's not necessarily true. Uh, I have a habit of reading IMDb trivia, just kind of things about the story or behind-the-scenes stuff that I just find really interesting about the process of making movies. Um, when it came to reshooting, any reshoots or additional shoots, uh, there's like five minutes of screen time that was added that was not previously shot for the 2017 version. So it was pretty much all there, and the studio cut a lot of it. And that's kind of incredible that all that was there and it, it didn't get released to the public for three years. Um, I think a 40% is a pretty, pretty accurate score for 2017's Justice League because 
I rem I haven't seen it since the first time I saw it. I've only seen that movie once, but I remember thinking that it was incoherent and it seemed rushed and that the villain Steppenwolf was not interesting at all. And he was kind of an underwhelming villain to have. And uh, I was right because watching the Snyder cut fixed a lot of those things. Now I'm going to stop dancing around details and talking about things so uh, if you have any intention of sitting down and watching this four-hour and two-minute movie, um, I hate to say it, but like skip to the last two, three minutes of this podcast because I'm going to talk details. So please, by all means, skip it if you have any interest in this. This is your final spoiler warning. Um, okay, back to the show. Um, now would be a good time to break for our sponsor, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, this week... The Secret Language Podcast is being brought to you by uh, Coffee Nut M&M's. Coffee Nut M&M's, the objectively best flavor of M&M's. All right. So, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I tried to have my phone out not to distract me, but to kind of take notes of some of the things that I was thinking of just as I was watching it. Because... It's a four-hour movie. Like, I'm going to forget stuff. Um, but I think overall, the Snyder Cut improved upon 2017's Justice League. Because there were a lot of things that had to come together to tell this story. To, to tell the story that we already kind of knew from the first version that came out. Um, there was a lot of setup that had to be done that wasn't done in the first one, and so you kind of have to slowly introduce all the characters and all the the characters' own kind of subplot and character development throughout the movie. Um, so you you get about an hour and a half into it before you finally kind of met all the different characters. Um, we're going to start with the big bad here. Um, the, the big villain in 2017's Justice League was Steppenwolf, this big uh, dude from another realm with these kind of weird antler horn things. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was disappointed the first time I saw Justice League because who is this guy? Like, why do I care that he's the villain? Why is he such a big bad? Like, I don't understand why him. It was kind of like, and I'll get to this later, it's kind of like Avengers, the first Avengers, because you had this guy, Loki, who is by no means the big bad. He is not the ultimate villain. We all know that at this point to be Thanos. Um, but Steppenwolf was just a letdown. Like, I don't know who this is. I don't care. Why is he the one that's going to bring Earth to its knees? Well, they introduced that in this movie. They kind of fixed that problem. Uh, Steppenwolf is a pawn for Darkseid, which is the DC version of Thanos. He is a world ender, man. He is a bad man. So we kind of understand why Steppenwolf was a part of this story. Like, because he is not the big villain. He is just the messenger for the big villain that's going to open up the secret magical portal so that the big villain can come and ruin everything. Um, I liked that because I really didn't care about Steppenwolf the first time. And now that we see why he's there, uh, it's a good thing. So that's that's good. 
That's a good thing. Uh, while we're on the topic of Steppenwolf, I mentioned that there were only five minutes of extra scenes that were shot for this extended version, but there were over like 20 or 40,000 digital effects that were done. Um, if you just want to take a quick Google search, uh, Steppenwolf looks wildly different. Um, everything basically changed about his character design. Well, I guess not everything, but he was just kind of in some plain-ish clothes slash armor in 2017s, and in this one he looks like a thorn bush. Like, they completely redid everything he was wearing, which really, um, adds to the visual effect of the character, but I didn't really care because I didn't care about him the first time. So, I mean, I, I it looked bad. It looked good. It looked better. But uh, I don't think that it was necessary to the movie to do that. But hey, if it's part of Zack Snyder's vision and it makes him happy about the movie coming out, fine, whatever. I don't care. I don't think it enhanced the movie, but I don't think it made it worse either. That's fine. We'll call it a wash. Um, so we slowly get introduced to the characters. We get reintroduced to our Justice League members. Uh, by the end of this movie, there are six. We've got Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Cyborg. Um, and I have some issues with that, personally. Um, all of them are like classic Justice League members, uh, apart from Cyborg, who is kind of a Teen Titans character. Um, I don't have a problem with him being in the movie necessarily. I understand from a writing standpoint why he has to be in this movie. Because you've got the three mother boxes, and he's the only person that can, like, you know, quote-unquote, hack into them to separate them so that Darkseid doesn't come and destroy the Earth. Uh, I get why he has to be there so that he can stop that from happening. But just write a different story. Like, create a different plot that doesn't require you to add a character that was never part of the Justice League. I mean, that's just my opinion, whatever. Um, like, where's Hot Girl? Where's Green Lantern? Now, Green Lantern's another story. That movie was another stinker. And I'm sure that Ryan Reynolds wants nothing to do with the role. But they showed, like, two different Green Lantern characters in the Snyder Cut. Like, they clearly wanted him or at least some recognition of the Green Lanterns to be there, but they really just didn't. And then there's Hot Girl. Hawk Girl, in case you think I'm saying Hot Girl. Uh, there's Hawk Girl. <laughs> um, she's nowhere to be seen. I think, you know, like, there was a cartoon out from, like, 2004 for, like, three years or something, and I remember watching that growing up, and she was, like, a main character. She was always there, and she's not been put on the big screen yet. I mean, whatever. It's not a big deal. But I think if you're going to make a Justice League movie, make it the Justice League that people recognize. Like, you don't have to do Cyborg. In fact, I don't even really like the character, at least the way he's written. I don't like the way he's written. Um, he's just kind of moody and grumpy all the time, and that's fine. They took out, like, the only redeeming scene of him from the first one, which is where he says, Booyah! There's no Booyah in... Zack Snyder's cut, but, you know, whatever, not a big deal, it's it's fine. But, you know, it's, it's a little disappointing that wasn't there. 
Um, I really did like the clarity that it brought. Just being able to fully explain why everything was happening and why the characters had to be there was a good thing. Like, you have the reluctance of Aquaman to join at all. You've got, we've got to exhume Superman because Batman made a critical error and killed him in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, if you'll recall. Uh, that was a scene that I, it's probably the only scene I actually remembered, like actively remembered from watching the original Justice League was we brought Superman back to life and now he's trying to kill everybody. And uh, let's say it's been a minute since I've seen Man of Steel. And uh, Superman's one scary dude. Like, he has no problem kicking everyone's butt. Like, Wonder Woman is surprisingly powerful. And uh, he just beats her around. I love the scene when you've got, like, Aquaman and Cyborg and Wonder Woman all trying to just restrain Superman. And the Flash is going at his, like, super fast speed running around him. And... They're doing the whole slow motion gig. And Superman turns and makes eye contact with him while he's going slow motion. Like, he's able to use his super strength and then the speed to notice and to focus on the Flash is, like, super, super cool. Um, I've never historically been a huge Superman fan. I don't know why. I just never really cared for the character. I liked Man of Steel. But when he came back in this movie and started just volleyballing Darks, uh, not Dark Side, Steppenwolf, man, I, I was laughing, I was cheering it on, like I loved it, and uh, that was a really triumphant, really great moment for the movie. I really super enjoyed that. That was really, really awesome. Um, oh, I forgot. While we're talking about the whole cast of superheroes here. We finally got the introduction of Martian Manhunter onto the big screen. Uh, that is awesome. He was a character that I really loved from the television series, the animated television series I watched growing up. Um, seeing him on screen was really cool. He has like two scenes and he's barely in it, but it was really, really cool to see him in there. I liked that a lot. Um, there were some weird things, though, about uh, some of the characters and, and just kind of the tone of the movie, I guess. There's, there's some things that I didn't quite love, and they could be fixed, and it wouldn't be all that hard. Um, it's, it's not hard to tell that we have become so used to, and we have an understanding of what superhero movies are, because from 2008 to 2018... 2019 or so, whenever uh, Avengers Endgame came out, um, we have this Marvel idea of what a superhero movie is. And DC has been uh, doing their own kind of extended universe thing, and tonally, they're very different. Like, if you just look at the movies, just like take scenes or shots from them, uh, the DC movies tend to be a lot darker just in color, and they're a little more gritty in their tone and the way that they tell their stories it's it's a lot more uh scary and real and that's something that they had no problems with in the snyder cut uh they released it as an r-rated movie 
and they did not hold back from the fact that uh, people die in this movie. There was blood. People were dying. Like, uh, we don't want to think about this because we're so conditioned that, you know, superheroes don't kill people. Uh, Wonder Woman killed people at the beginning of this movie. She absolutely did. Uh, you know, she's climbing in there to stop a terrorist, and she throws people against the wall, and you see a blood splatter where the head was. It's like, he's not living that one out. And then she does the whole, like, smacking my gauntlets together thing against the one big bad terrorist. Um, and, like, blows the whole side out of a building. For one thing, definitely evaporated that dude. And two, would have evaporated all the people and children behind her. But we're going to ignore the fact that that was possible and just say that it didn't happen. But, I mean, people die in this movie. Like, and they're not afraid to show it. Like, they're definitely darker and more gritty in tone. And that's that's been seen throughout uh, all the movies. Like, Batman v Superman, even Man of Steel, Aquaman. They've all been darker in tone, and they're not necessarily the family-friendly we got to throw in a one-liner every couple minutes to keep the mood light that Marvel has traditionally done throughout the past. Um, and that's fine. But I, I kind of tend to like the DC a little bit better. Even though they're a little... The writing is not as good. I, I, I kind of enjoy them a lot. I like them. I'm just going to say it. Um, actually, last night I watched Birds of Prey, which is the... Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn spinoff of Suicide Squad. And I really enjoyed that movie. Like, that one was a lot of fun. I think Suicide Squad was their real test into how can we tell stories and how can we make them fun to watch and interesting. Because DC is old, man. They've got a ton of characters that they can use. And so Suicide Squad, they introduced a bunch of them, and it, it was kind of a flop. But they kept the same tone and the same kind of general feeling and general vibe, and they made Birds of Prey, which I thought was good. I mean, it's kind of right on that line on Rotten Tomatoes of rotten and fresh, but it's I enjoyed it. And I'm very excited for the Suicide Squad, which is essentially the same practically none of the same characters uh, coming out in a few months. I think that one will be fun to watch. But back to Justice League. Um, I think, like I said, I think the story was greatly improved upon, and it had a lot more clarity, and it made sense, which is the most important thing the movie had to do, to prove that it was worth the time and the effort and the waiting four years for this movie was, did it, was it better? And I have to say, objectively, yes, it was much better. Uh, I think there are some aesthetics behind the movie that I don't quite love. Um, they've got these, like, light green contacts they put in Jason Momoa's eyes. And I get it. It's supposed to make him look like an Atlantean. You know, you want blue and green eyes for your water people because, you know, it just it, it's the color scheme that you imagine. But that dude is, like, Samoan, and the the contact color is way too light. Like, it looks really good in a close-up. It makes his eyes pop, and you, you can really feel it. 
but in a wide shot, it just makes it look like he has no iris, and he's got these wide eyes with a tiny little black pupil. Uh, really not a good look in a wide shot. That was annoying. Um, I really, <laughs> oh boy. The Flash, super cool. I love Ezra Miller as The Flash. I love him as Barry Allen, but the running sequences, I cannot get past them. I like the slow motion. I think it's really cool. I think that works. But the form that he uses while he's running, he looks like he's a marionette. Like, he looks like someone trying to make a puppet look like they're running. Like, his arms are flailing all, like, awkwardly too far in front of him. And in the slow motion, it's not as noticeable. Like, it still looks pretty choppy and pretty bad. But there's a scene towards the very end where they kind of speed it up. And he looks horrible. Like, he looks like a person that's you've explained running to but has never seen it. Like, it looks so bad. And I, I was laughing out loud at it, actually. But, again, I think Ezra Miller does a good job. I think he's fun to watch. Uh, that was kind of my two big aesthetic things. Actually, there's a third one. Just about any time Wonder Woman did much of anything, especially in the slow motion sequences, they, they played this like little kind of soundbite thing that the closed captioning on my TV described as ancient lamentation music. It was just kind of like an echoey, It was like 40 times in the movie. Like, it was outrageous. It was actually distracting. Uh, I didn't love that. <laughs> that was kind of kind of too much. But I liked it. I think it was good. I like the introduction to Darkseid and the fact that we know that he is coming and that there has to be another confrontation where we actually deal with Darkseid. That is super exciting. I love that. Um, now, I'm just going to wrap it up to the ending. Just some thoughts. The only kind of real thing that I had seen that was new to the movie prior to its release was a snippet of Jared Leto reprising his role as the Joker. And it was like a four-second snip where you just hear him say, Batman. And I waited the whole movie to see it. It's in like the last five minutes. Uh, so I sat for like three hours and 57 minutes to finally see Jared Leto as the Joker again. And I want to like it a lot. I'll probably have to watch it again to like it. But I think that Jared Leto as the Joker had a lot of potential uh, when it came to the Suicide Squad. Well, Suicide Squad coming out in 2016. Um, like, he was all over the promotions, and he was in the movie for, like, four minutes, and people hated it. Like, they hated his portrayal. Which, to be fair, they would hate anyways, because the only other time we'd seen him on screen any time recently to that was 2008 in The Dark Knight, in which Jer uh, Heath Ledger gives the performance of a lifetime and won an Oscar posthumously. He, he won an Oscar for the role. Posthumously. There it is. Posthumously. Uh, so, like, no matter what he did, people were going to hate it. But I think it had potential. And that's because the Joker as a character, he can be played so many different ways because he doesn't care. Like, he is the ultimate villain because he only wants chaos. And so you've got versions where he's literally just an insane person. And then you've got versions very similar to Heath Ledger's where... Yeah, he's like kind of a psychopath, but 
he's always got a plan. Like, the entire time, he has everything planned out. So, like, he's clearly there and clearly fully working in the head, but just kind of a sociopath and wants to see chaos and wants to watch the world burn. So I was kind of excited to see it, and we got just a little bit. Um, they really toned him down a lot. But I think the, the distracting thing was that I could very clearly tell that that man was Jared Leto. Um, Heath Ledger, I can barely see it. Like, I, I know that that's who's behind the makeup, but I don't see it. Like, Jared Leto looked and practically sounded what I imagine and see Jared Leto as in my head. Um, but I think that if we can see him in action, I would really enjoy it because the Joker is my favorite villain. And I think, uh, that would be a good thing. I think it'd be cool to see. I was also very, very excited to see Jesse Eisenberg again as Lex Luthor. Um, I thought that at the time I was the only person that liked Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Uh, it might just be because I love everything that Jesse Eisenberg does. I, I think he's a fun actor to watch. He usually puts on a pretty funny and awkward performance, which I just kind of enjoy. But I think him as Lex Luthor was really fun. And I'm glad we are going to get to see more of that in the future. That's super great. Uh, I liked the introduction of Deathstroke at the very end. That's super exciting. Like That'll be really fun to watch on screen to see that character come to life. Um, let's see... Oh, man, there was something else. Some other character that was... <sighs> Either way, I really liked the characters. Oh, yeah. Um, just as a whole, I, I liked the movie. I liked the characters. I liked the way they were shown. I don't love Ben Affleck as Batman. Just as, like, an active, I'm currently back Batman. I like... I would like to see Ben Affleck play Bruce Wayne, like old man Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond, where he's got this younger guy, Terry McGinnis, that he is going to uh, to kind of mentor and train to be the next Batman. You see, I, I just don't think he's the right person to play. I'm currently Batman. He's kind of too stocky, I guess. Like he's He just doesn't have the right vibe, I think. Like, we got such a great performance out of Christian Bale that seeing Ben Affleck, he just, he looks dull the whole time. Like, there are a lot better, better people for that. I don't know. I, I, I'm excited for, to see Robert Pattinson play Batman next year. That'll be great. Very excited for that. So, um, I think that's most of what I have to say about the Snyder Cut. Um, so I think we're going to go for the big one here. We're just going to, want to give you my score, what I truly thought about it. Uh, I think that movie is like a six and a half out of 10. If I have to give it a whole number, I'm going to lean probably at seven, I guess, probably a seven out of 10. Uh, it was, it greatly improved upon you know, the past, and I've said that a thousand times, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, so I'm gonna stop, but, uh, I liked it, I think it was really fun to watch, it was a great superhero story, um, 
oh, this is what I wanted to say. I totally, I was going to totally skip over this, and it was something I, I tried very hard to say out loud. Um, I like this better than Avengers Infinity War in Endgame. And I'll tell you why. Um, altogether, it's like still two hours less movie than the two closing acts of the Avengers series. But as a whole, I like it better because it tells one story and not two. And I know you're probably thinking to yourself, Infinity War and Endgame only tell one story. It's told in two parts. Yeah, kind of. But they pretty much take everything that happened in Infinity War and then they time travel backwards to make it that none of it happened. And so it was just kind of like, why make Infinity War if everything that happened is just going to be undone? That's my take. I didn't like that. I didn't like that it was just undone, like, in, in the opening minutes of Endgame. Like, that just, it rubs me the wrong way. And so I liked this, that it told one story for four hours and two minutes. It, it told the one story, and it actually has potential to to grow into a, a next chapter of that story when Darkseid eventually makes it to Earth, and they're going to have to fight him off. That'll be exciting to watch. Very pumped up for that. But like I said, overall, I think it's a 7 out of 10. Uh, it, it was fun to watch. It was enjoyable. Unfortunately, it's only on HBO Max. But you can sign up for a free trial and then cancel it before you have to end up paying for it. So technically, you can watch it for free. Um, I've been thinking about HBO Max for a while because a lot of the movies that I want to watch happen to be on HBO Max, so I might hold on to it just as a service to see some more movies and open up some different possibilities for what I can watch. That'd be cool. Um, I want to talk about some extra things. So like I said, uh, last week the Oscar nominations were finally out. That's super exciting. Um, there are a lot of different categories, as you all know, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies out for nominated for best picture and i have seen one two three four of them uh, i've seen judas and the black messiah mank nomadland and sound of metal uh tomorrow night friday uh sarah and i are going to go see minari which is a another one of those best picture nominated movies um one thing i just want to mention that's really really neat is just the evolution of the way that movies have been made. Um, you know, Netflix originally began as a service that you could rent movies. You have a digital queue, and they'll mail you a movie, and when you mail it back, they'll mail you the next one. And then they started streaming, and like that changed the game. I don't know anyone that actually gets DVDs from Netflix anymore. Like Streaming is now the thing. And then they decided... We're going to start making our own movies. We we have the resources and the money. Let's make our own movies. And they've been doing that for several years now. And now they have two movies this year. Two Netflix original movies. Uh, they have two movies anyways that they distributed that are Oscar nominated for Best Picture. And same with Amazon Prime. Uh, the Sound of Metal is... A movie that is an Amazon Prime original that's nominated for Best Picture. So now it's just neat to see how 
these services like Amazon was originally made to sell books, a digital bookstore, and now it has an original movie nominated for best picture. Like that is insane, but like super cool. Like I love that. That's really, really interesting. So yeah, as of tomorrow, I will have seen five of the eight best picture nominations. We'll have to watch the last three within the next couple weeks. Um, my mom has a cardiologist appointment to, uh, the day this comes out on Monday to, uh, test her heart to make sure that the chemo medication is not going to wear her out too much. Uh, she has her first scheduled day of chemo for April 7th. Um, yeah, it's kind of a hard turn from getting all excited about movies to my mom's cancer, but that's kind of the way my brain's working. I'm looking at my calendar. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, if you could please continue to keep her in your thoughts and prayers, that would really mean the world to me. Um, movies, I've talked about my mom's stuff. That's kind of what's been going on. Um, the weather's nice. Gotta start running again. Like, really doing it three or four times a week, that'll be, uh, that'd be a good idea, huh? Um, I'm halfway through, or about halfway through 12 Rules for Life. 12 more rules for life. It's very good. I love it. Um, I think I'm going to be doing an episode in the future loosely based on that. So that'll be exciting. Very fun. Um, I don't know. I think that's about it. Um, we're kind of at the close of the podcast and I'd like to shout out, uh, our sister podcast inside quotes. They're new, not a new show, but they're a great show. They're doing the whole brother thing better than Matt and I ever could have imagined we could do it. And they do it every time. I've done it with Matt like four times. So check them out. They're fantastic. They exclusively talk about movies, but they're like movies from their childhood and it's nostalgic for them and for the listener. And it's a blast. I really highly recommend it. They're again, that's inside quotes, the sister podcast to this podcast on our informal network. Jeremy, if you're listening, Give me a call. Um, it's the end of the show. You know what that means. So if you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. It means a lot to me that you listen. You know, listen, like tell your friends about it. I, I, that'd be cool. And if you don't tell your friends about it, that's cool too, man. Just please keep listening. Uh, there's that. Um, and you guys know. I got to come up with something new to say at the end of every episode. And I'm not, I never plan it. And so I'm just kind of stuck rambling. So until next week, final words.